The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Caligas. Good morning, Architects listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. And also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application on their iPhone and and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about stroke prevention, ways to reduce stroke risk, and the latest treatment of stroke. So stay tuned to this radio show for some very interesting and beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, May the 7th, and we are broadcasting our radio show today. Yes, live from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful, sunny, sunny I said sunny, sunny Shreveport, Louisiana. Well, it's Louisiana. probably that, too, a little. Miss <laughs> Angela, being, good morning sorry, to you. Sorry, being mean. Just being mean. It's been beautiful the past few <laughs> it days. It really has. It's been just like Scottsdale, Arizona. Very low humidity, beautiful sun, and we hope it's going to continue this for the next few days. Uh, uh, hopefully the weather will be like this. We're not doing the weather, weather forecast. But, again, I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day on Sunday and wish all those other Thank mothers you. out there and to my lovely wife. I hope Tina and your and your daughters uh, and your, well, yeah, your daughter, daughter-in-law, daughter daughters-in-law. Yes, daughters-in-law. <laughs> Have a wonderful Mother's Day, too. Well, I know this you. is uh, new to them still, right? It is new to them. So we wish all we wish everyone out there happy Mother's Day this Sunday. And the grandmothers, the great-grandmothers, of course, and the, and the godmothers. And uh, I took Tina out last night out for a date now. We went to see the movie Mother's Day with uh, Jennifer, um, what's her name, Aniston. And, mm-hmm. and um, what's the other lady? Julia Roberts and a few. It was a remarkable movie. If you have a chance, take your mother or grandmother out to that particular movie. Very, very touching. Very touching. Thank you. Be sure to pick up the May issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. Thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues of our magazine. Our friends at the Shreveport Times, a Gannett publication, is publishing a weekly informational article written to benefit seniors and boomers, and it is it is called Senior Living, and it appears in every Wednesday Voices edition of the Shreveport Times. There have been over 110 published articles by yours truly concerning senior living options and other related topics. If you wish to read past articles, visit their website at ShreveportTimes.com and search the name Caligas. C-A-L-L-I-G-S-A-S, and you will find the listing of the 110 articles that you can view and print. Thank you for the many emails and compliments about these articles. The second annual Shreveport Derby Day will be held today on, on the, at the Norton Art Gallery in Shreveport from 2 to 6 p.m. This is an afternoon-long event celebrating the 142nd running of the Kentucky Derby. This uh, Shreveport Derby Day will feature live music, long games, food, 
bars, desserts, and a raffle drawing and different contests. Tickets may be purchased online at DerbyDayShreveport.com or by calling 272-3139. That's 272-3139. Today, compliments of our friends at Cyport and the best of times. I have two sets of two tickets each for free admission to Cyport and the IMAX movie here in Shreveport. For the first two callers that calls into today's live show at 320-5335. That's 320-5335. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listening announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming activities, news, and events. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Dining Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. We have given away all the tickets to Cyport. Do thank you for calling in. Be sure to uh, listen in to future shows for other tickets and other prizes to be given away here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Joining me on my radio show today is a very special guest. It's Dr. Alan Little, who is a neurohospitalist, the medical director of the Stroke Center at the Willis-Knighton Pyramont. And he's here on our show today to discuss strokes and the treatment for strokes. So good morning, Dr. Little, morning. for being on our radio show. I'm so used to calling him Alan, but he's a good friend of mine, so I will call him Dr. Little or Alan. Um, Either way, right, Alan? Good morning. Whatever you want. Whatever I want. Well, yep. thank you for joining me today on your on your busy day. You're, you're, every day is busy for for a physician, right? It is. It's been very busy. Well, that's good. I've known Alan and his wonderful wife Cheryl for many many years. Um, first met him in Albany, Georgia, I believe. Well, Destin, Florida, actually, and then Albany, Georgia, and then Waco, Texas, and now we're so proud to have him and his wife here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. So, um, Thank you. again, we're we're happy to have you providing uh, great health care for our our citizens here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. So you are a neurologist by training and recently now a neurohospitalist. So tell our, and also I want to add kudos, you're helping medical students, right? Right. We have medical students and residents rotating with us, uh, providing neurology services at Willis Knight and Piermont and the other hospitals in the system. And, and explain to our listeners, that's real important in medical training to get that hands-on assistance in, in, in their residency and their training, correct? It is. Our residents uh, at LSU Medical School, the Department of Neurology, rotate with me um, a month at a time, and it gives them an experience uh, at in a private hospital rather than the university hospital. Uh, they get a broad range of experiences taking care of all kinds of patients that uh, have neurologic diseases. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for, again, that's another feather in your hat. You have so many things you're doing, and, uh, but you're also helping improve the medical the, the medical care and the, the, the training for these young ladies and gentlemen. Well, they're, not just, they're not just uh, just a certain uh, class, right? There's some ladies and some gentlemen that are both. That's right. That's right. Alan, this month is a special month. 
May is designated as Stroke Awareness Month, and that's why one another reason why uh, having you on our show today is increasing the awareness of our listeners out there in, in the Arklatex as well as whomever may be listening to the show throughout the United States of the world that we're increasing the awareness of stroke. And and why is that? And do we know why May was picked? Well, I really, I really don't know why May, but the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, have designated May as Stroke Awareness Month to, to try to build awareness, educate the public on uh, risk factors, how do we reduce our risk of, of stroke, and uh, understanding that stroke is an emergency. Uh, stroke is important, and stroke is an emergency, and when a person has stroke-like symptoms, it's important to get to an emergency room as soon as possible. And, and you mentioned to me it is the third leading cause of death in the United States. Right. Wow. Right. It's pretty amazing. Lots of people have strokes. Stroke is, is, is an important entity. 800,000 people a year in the, United States have, in the United States have stroke. I was amazed. I was looking up information on the World uh, Health Organization that 5 million persons annually throughout the globe die from strokes. And another 5 million that's total 10, are permanently disabled. That is significant. It's the leading cause of preventable disability uh, in the world. So it's very important. And we're going we're gonna to talk about some details, but I learned something new that uh, we, most people have the, the connotation that it only affects seniors and mature adults, but it, it could oh, occur no, anybody. Our, our youngest stroke patient within the last few months at, at uh, Willis-Knight and Pyramont was 20 years old. Wow. Uh, we've had a whole cluster of individuals uh, in their 40s who have presented with an acute stroke. So it happens. It's not really a respecter of person. Stroke, stroke happens to anybody and everyone. So tell our tell listeners, what is your position now as a neurohospitalist? What does that mean? Well, I'm a neurologist. I take care of uh, patients who have diseases of the brain and the spinal cord and the nervous system. And I focus on inpatient neurology. So I don't have an outpatient office or a clinic. I'm in the hospital all day, every day, taking care of people who come in with neurologic emergencies. And, and if they have an onset of one, you will be also be called in for consult? Let's say they come in for something other than a stroke, and they, they have it while they're in the inpatient, you would be consulted yes. as well, yes. right? Yes. We frequently go to the emergency room when someone comes in with a seizure, a stroke, uh, some other neurologic event, uh, we are there in the emergency room with the ER doctors uh, helping to take care of them. The, the, we're going to talk about it, so let's give us some basic information about what is a stroke. A stroke is, a, is damage to an area of brain tissue that's caused by the blockage of an artery. Uh, an artery closes off, and it, it's, like, it's like damming up a stream. The, the field that that stream goes to dies because there's no water to it. And in the same way, when an artery closes off in the brain, the brain tissue that is fed by that artery dies. And there's, that brain is uh, not recoverable. And that's, we'll talk about treatment is necessary as quickly as possible, right? Absolutely. And the quicker you obtain treatment, the less likely of disability or, or even death. Exactly, yes. So explain, I was reading um, some information prior. I thought the term stroke is really a new term. It's not, it's not back, they dated back to the 1600s or, or back in, in ancient Greek days. I tried to find a Greek derivation of that, but there's no Greek derivation of the word stroke. It was, it was just coin phrase, right? 
Well, I think the we talked about Aristotle called it a, a apoplexy, right. which means a, a, a strike of violence or a stroke of violence. And when a person is stricken down, paralyzed on one side, perhaps unconscious by some unknown force. And for thousands of years, no one knew what that was. And I think that's how this, the term in the early 1900s got its, uh, got its beginning. Interesting. Interesting. And, it, and, and I've had other physicians that were saying to me, and you explained to me as well when we've chatted, the brain is probably the, the least known factor of the human body. We, this, uh, regarding all of our medical research and medical, and up until just recently, we haven't done a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of knowledge about it. That's right. You know, the the, the brain is kind of like uh, Earth's oceans. It covers seventy five percent of the of the globe, and we only know about five percent five of what's in the oceans. And so, the brain is a very similar thing. We have even as much as we think we know. Uh, it's it's remarkable how much we don't know about how the brain works and and how powerful it is and how remarkable that, I mean remarkable part of our part of our human bodies. No computer, no artificial intelligence is able to do what our brain does. Okay, so I had one listener wanted to ex- wanted you to explain to her in simple terms the different kinds of strokes. I think this is the most confusing things out there, including myself when I was in initially involved in uh, the medical field back in the 70s. Right. There are, there are two different kinds of strokes. The, the most common, 87% of all strokes, are what we call an ischemic stroke. This is when an artery blocks off and that tissue dies. Um, there, it can be small. It can be large. The other type of stroke is a hemorrhagic stroke, where an artery or a vein breaks, breaks. And, there's, and there's bleeding within the brain tissue or outside the brain between the brain and the skull. So 87% are ischemic strokes, and that's the most common, obviously. And then 13% are when an artery or a vein breaks open in the head and causes damage that way. Okay, so I hear the term occasionally mini-strokes. What, what does that mean? Well... I've never really understood what what that means. I think it's a it's a colloquial term. Um, a stroke is a fixed problem, and it, it brings us up to the question about transient ischemic attacks or TIAs. Those are temporary strokes. Those are those are neurologic problems that come on because an artery closes off, but then the artery reopens and those symptoms go away. And a lot of people and primary care doctors call those TIAs. Many strokes, but it's not—it's—it's it's not a very good term. I don't like to use it. Um, the other—the other thing that you can say is that there are small strokes that occur deep in the brain that sometimes are not big enough to produce symptoms. But when we do an MRI on someone, uh, we see evidence of it. And some doctors will call those many strokes. Uh, the proper term is a lacunar stroke. Lacun meaning lake uh, in the Greek. So. Um, many strokes is just, people don't continue to have many strokes over and over and over again. If it is a TIA or a transient ischemic attack, that's an emergency because that that means something's about to happen. Something's an artery is about to close off permanently and leave you with a, a permanent deficit. So, so basically, there's two types of strokes, right? 
There's hemorrhagic strokes, the bleeding, right. and then there's ischemic stroke where you have death of brain tissue from an artery closing off. And those that have those, the, those TIA strokes sometimes have them and don't know that they've had them? Well, no, a TIA is actually a temporary stroke. The T is transient. It stands for transient. So if, if, a, if symptoms come on and they don't go away, you've got a fixed problem, and that is a stroke. If symptoms come on and then they go away, say someone has uh, onset of, of paralysis on, on one side of the body, but by the time they get to the emergency room, it's gone and it's resolved. That's a TIA. Okay. If a person has lots of headaches, is that a tendency to be, to, to be a possible TIA? No. Headache is, is uncommon in stroke. It does happen. But having lots of headaches does not necessarily make you predisposed to having a stroke. And the other question was asked by an individual, migraines. Migraines could lead to strokes, TIAs? or There's an association in long, younger women who are on birth control and who smoke and who have migraine that they may be at risk for stroke. But those are very large population studies, and it's hard to... It's hard to correlate those to individual people in individual cases. Okay. I think our listeners would want now know, to know the symptomologies of, of if they had a, a loved one at home or on the beach or at a particular event. How do they know they're suffering from either one of these types of strokes? Well, is it, is it distinguishable? It is, it is. Well, there is no way to distinguish without a CT scan whether this is a hemorrhage or it's an ischemic stroke. Uh, that's very difficult. Um, that's why both are emergencies. Uh, we treat them very differently. But when EMS picks up a patient who has weakness on one side uh, and visual problems, for instance, they don't know is this an ischemic stroke or is this a hemorrhage. They bring them to us urgently. We do the CT scan, and then we decide which kind of stroke it is, and that takes us down uh, two different paths. Okay, and that's what you have, have have shown me the fast, right? Right, face, arm, speech, time. So this explain is the, to this. Yeah, this is the best way to determine. These are the, are the most common uh, symptoms that that we see with stroke: FAST, face, which is facial drooping. Um, the lower lower part of the face droops. One corner of the mouth droops. Uh, arm. Just have the person try to pick their arm up, or you pick it up, and if it falls, then there's obvious weakness there. Speech, is there slurred speech? Are they able to get their words out, but it's, but it's very difficult to understand, or are they mute and can't get their words out at all? And the T is time. It's time to call 911. So F-A-S-T, uh, face, arm, speech, time, it's time to call 911. What about trouble seeing? Do, do, do strokes affect uh, an individual's sight? In one or both eyes? Yes, you can. Very often, people will lose vision in their visual field on the side that they're paralyzed, and that's part of the stroke syndrome. So sometimes, and that's a very difficult thing to overcome sometimes. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep. 
Jerry's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Gary's got more of the best of times. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Dunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep deal. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Alan Little, a neurohospitalist and the medical director of the Stroke Center at the willis Knighton Pyramont Hospital. He's discussing strokes and the treatment of those. So, Alan, again, we're mentioning this is May is National Stroke Awareness Month, and we're trying to give all of our listeners out there a little bit of knowledge for them, their loved ones, their family and friends to pass out this important information. We've talked a little bit about the different types of strokes, but now, Alan, let's say that a person is at their home and they feel that their loved one has met that fast, that, that those particular symptoms of a stroke, what should they do? Well, we talked about FAST, F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time, time to call 911. Uh, if, if someone has the onset, sudden onset of, a, of acute weakness on one side, uh, 911, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, then they're transported to a local hospital, the, the, the closest hospital. When EMS comes, do they do any treatment? Do they call you or call another physician to do treatment while they're at the home or at a facility or wherever they're at? No, e- EMS uh, will. They will check a person's blood sugar. They will check their oxygen level and their and their um, blood pressure and their vital signs. Obviously, if their blood sugar is very very low, they will administer treatment. They will give glucose to that that person immediately. If the uh, blood if the blood sugar is very high, they bring them on in. But a very low blood sugar is an emergency. But they don't initiate treatment except in the way of providing oxygen. Uh, or treating a, a very low blood sugar. Then but, they, they bring them directly. But, Alan, isn't it true that sometimes they also start the IV in anticipation of you and other physicians administering something? Yes. We have asked them. Uh, there are specific protocols, and we have uh, done a lot of education for our EMS providers and asking them when, when they feel they have their own screening tools in the field. And when they feel this person is having a stroke, they put in two large bore IVs, and they provide oxygen, and they uh, they come to us as quickly as possible for us to initiate treatment. They notify us before they get there so that we know that they're coming. Okay. I want to ask you a follow-up question because it was asked by me to ask you. This individual said that... Uh, she feels she feels she wants your opinion on whether or not while they're at home and her husband had a stroke should she had given him an aspirin would that have been beneficial or not beneficial the idea of giving aspirin comes from the cardiac sciences and the cardiac literature if someone has crushing chest pain uh, radiating to the left arm the cardiologists do recommend giving an aspirin we think that's probably not the best idea because you don't know if this is a hemorrhage. And if this patient is having, this person's having a hemorrhage, you could conceivably make it worse by administering an and, and that makes, because it could bleed more? Is that what Correct. you mean? Yes, it, it, could, it could enlarge. The other piece of it is that um, very often people with uh, an acute stroke don't swallow very well. Oh, and so giving one. them something to drink or eat or swallowing an aspirin can send it down the wrong pipe. They can end up coming to the emergency room with aspiration, with 
a piece of aspirin in their lungs or water or, or whatever. So we would prefer people to not take anything by mouth at all until they get to the emergency department and are assessed there. Wow, thank you. Well, that, that's very interesting information. I've learned a lot from that one yeah. as well. Okay, the other importance is, and I think we talked about it earlier, is timeliness. The ER, the, first of all, the, calling the, the, the ER to pick you up at the home, the, at the event or whatever, and transporting you as quickly as possible to the emergency room, right? And Correct. the reason why one of the delaying, delaying, more delaying, delaying uh, you know, we hammer away at providers that time is brain. Oh. Time is brain. The longer you wait, the more brain cells die. When a stroke happens, we're talking about losing millions of brain cells every minute. So there are studies and there are graphs that have been produced telling us that for every 15 minutes out past a stroke that we don't do something about it, that we don't provide what's called reperfusion of that, that uh, area of, of brain tissue, for every 15 minutes the chances of a good outcome drop. So it's, it's very important. That's why the T is there for time to call 911 to get to the emergency room as soon as possible because the sooner um, we are, are able to treat patients, the better the outcome. And, and, and of course, getting them there is there, they're going to transport, transport you, the individual, to the nearest facility, uh, ER facility. And what happens when a person goes into the ER? Well, hopefully we know they're coming. Oh, okay. And so they're moved from, um, from the ambulance stretcher to a stretcher uh, that weighs them because we need to know their weight if we're going to provide certain medicines. Then they, um, the nurses do their assessment very quickly. The ER doctor does his, his or her assessment very quickly. Uh, two large bore IVs are placed, and the patient is taken to um, the CT scanner, usually within 5 to 10 minutes. A head CT, a CT scan of their head, takes 90 seconds to do that scan. So that scan is done, and then they are rolled back to the emergency room. The radiologist is reading that scan within probably two to five minutes, giving us a report, telling us, is this a hemorrhage or is this normal? What you want to see is a normal scan because those changes that, are, that occur in the brain from stroke don't show up on a CT scan immediately. What you're doing the CT scan for is looking for hemorrhage. If there's no hemorrhage, then we go down the path uh, to give that person TPA, or it's called tissue plasminogen activator. That's the clot buster drug that everyone talks about. That medicine triggers your body's own clot busting defenses to break down the clot that's there and reopen that artery. It's, that's the weight-based you know, reason we have to have their weight. Oh, okay. And we Never need to be weight. able to give, the American Heart has standards, and the standard for giving TPA is within 60 minutes of patients hitting the door. We're, we're giving it in b between 34 and 39 minutes are our most recent, are our most recent one. So we're doing pretty good on our, on our That's time. very good. That's very timely. Yes, yes. I'm very proud of the nursing staff. They move very quickly to get all of these things done get labs drawn, um, get the CT scan, get the patient assessed, and then you, uh, you mix the medicine and, uh, after talking with the patient and the family and administer the medicine. So, so Dr. Little, I, I don't understand one, one factor. So when they come in 
If it's hemorrhaging already, you would not administer? No, that's why we have to know. Is this a hemorrhage or is this an ischemic stroke? If it's a hemorrhage, basically what we do is control their blood pressure, blood pressure very tightly. Uh, we immediately, generally hemorrhage patients come in with very high blood pressures, 200 over 150, uh, dramatically high. And we, um, once we know it's a hemorrhage, we immediately treat them with aggressive IV therapy to get their blood pressure down. And that's the, that's the main goal in treating a hemorrhage. Once it happens, you can't reverse that, but you can keep it from expanding and getting larger. And that's part of the treating with the, a blood pressure medicine. So the, the, the initial ones are deemed TIAs, and that's where they're being treated with a TPA. A TIA is symptoms that go away. Okay. They go away. They go away. And so we don't treat those with TPA. Oh, we don't? No. We do not treat TIAs with, with the TPA because the symptoms have resolved. That artery has reopened. Okay. Well, okay. I'm, 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 so I'm misunderstanding here, I think. The, so when they come in, they're, they're having a, a, a stroke that is not hemorrhage, that is not broke. Correct. Correct. It, that artery is closed off. and there is closed brain, off. There's brain tissue that is dying because it doesn't have blood flow. And, and the scan will show it being enlarged in that particular no, area, but not... the scan will be normal. Uh -huh. I know it's, it's hard for people to understand this, but the, the changes on a CAT scan that occur take a few hours. So you actually want to see a normal scan when someone comes in with, with a stroke. The scan simply is to tell us if there's hemorrhage or not, because it takes us down a different path if, there, if there's hemorrhage. So further treatment for somebody who's had a stroke or a family member that's had a stroke that's hemorrhage, what, are they, what, what they happens? Go, they go to the ICU or the stroke unit, and their blood pressure is controlled. Um, we look for other reasons um, or the reason why they had the hemorrhage. Some people are just have terrible hypertension, and an artery breaks because of the high pressure. Um, some people have... Uh, little abnormally formed veins called arteriovenous malformations, and and sometimes those break open or they leak, and we we look for the reason to that the hemorrhage occurred, and then hopefully do make do things to first of all keep it from getting larger, and then to keep it from happening again. And explain on we don't probably have time for all these surgeries, but there are surgeries now that can go in and do stents, right? Brain stents, do I remember? Yes. What, what we're talking about is something called endovascular treatment for acute stroke. This is a new idea. It's a new procedure, and uh, it's becoming the standard of care. If we identify that there's a large artery in the head that is occluded with a clot, uh, there is a catheter-based uh, a catheter based um, therapy where our endovascular specialist takes the catheter, goes all the way up through the carotid arteries into the head, and is actually able to retrieve that clot and reopen that artery. Wow. It, it's a remarkable thing that we're able to do. Not everybody is a candidate for that. It's a, it's a minority of strokes that you're able to do that with, but when you provide that therapy, it's an astounding thing that uh, someone goes from having a potentially very large stroke to a small stroke or no stroke at all. Amazing. So, again, the treatment course, when they come into your uh, particular, the ER, then eventually into a stroke center, is primarily 
is primarily what? The treat the treatment for the acute stroke. Right. Treatment for acute stroke is going to be determining first of all, determining are they a candidate for TPA. If a person say woke up with their with their stroke this morning at eight o'clock, we don't know when it began. And we can't give TPA over four and a half hours out from there. Uh, we know that giving it after four and a half hours uh, can actually cause more damage. So we have to know when that person was last known normal, the last time someone saw them. And if they wake up with their weakness on their right side, all we know is that they were normal last night at 11 o'clock when they went to bed. So those folks are not a TPA candidate, unfortunately. Um, but what we do... For instance, with those those folks, we we look at their risk factors. We determine what is it that we can do to intervene and prevent this person from having another one. Uh, we provide physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, uh, screening for rehab services, that sort of thing, to improve their uh, their functional abilities. We're going to be right back with more information. We're going to be giving you information about the modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors for stroke. And now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Bears, Senate Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Deal. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Dunning Country and Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Alan Little, who is a neurologist, neurohospitalist, and the medical director of the Stroke Center at willis Knight in Pyramont. And he's discussing strokes and treatments. And now we're going to talk a little bit about with Dr. Little about the risk factors for stroke. So, Dr. Little, tell our, tell our listeners about there are some which are called non-modifiable risk factors, right? That's right. Being a man is a risk factor for heart disease and stroke, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But it's true. Um, age, as we get more birthdays, our risk of stroke and heart attack go up. Um, race, there are race, there are ethnic groups that are at higher risk of stroke. And then family history. If your parents have a history of heart attack or stroke, then your risk is increased for that. And those are things that we can't do anything about. Um, and I saw uh, some report, it says uh, individuals that might have had a certain medical condition, certain medical conditions, and I think you'd mentioned that too as well, uh, that could be more at risk, right? These are our modifiable risk factors. Oh, they're modifiable. Modifiable. These are um, hypertension. Having hypertension. Okay, let's talk about that. Particularly untreated hypertension. Um, that's modifying your heart. Hy- modifying your hypertension or that risk factor reduces your risk of stroke. So people who have high blood pressure and it is not treated are very clearly at risk for both heart attack and stroke. And then t- they're taking their medicines as the physician ordered, right? And getting their follow-up monitoring of their blood pressure is probably as critical. That's right. Controlling their blood pressure reduces that risk of stroke. That's very important. Same way with diabetes. You know, if you have uncontrolled diabetes, your risk of stroke and heart attack is increased. Controlling your blood sugars reduces your risk. That's why it's modifiable. Um, People with cholesterol, high cholesterol, you know, that's a real serious problem. 
um, and we have good medicines to modify that. So if your cholesterol is high and you're not doing anything about it, your risk for stroke is increased. Taking your statin or niacin or whatever your physician give, you know, is giving you reduces your risk of stroke. And, and the, the, the sometimes rumor that the cholesterol only affects the, the, the heart arteries and, and, and veins is not true. It affects all throughout your body, right? That's correct. The, the, the statins or the cholesterol medicines work several different ways. One, obviously, is they lower your cholesterol. They lower your, they lower your bad cholesterol and they raise your good cholesterol, and that's important. But these medicines also have been found to have a beneficial effect on the lining of arteries. So that's a separate way that they reduce risk of stroke. American Heart Association in their guidelines, American Stroke Association guidelines, tell us that patients who've had a stroke or a TIA need to be on a statin when they leave the hospital. That's one of, they call it a core measure. That's a very important thing. So uh, let's talk about having heart disease. Heart disease implies that you've got cholesterol plaque lining your arteries. True. And it probably is everywhere, so we, it implies that there may be plaque in the arteries of the brain and you're at risk for stroke. Heart valve defects, irregular heartbeat, is that, could that be an indication of a Atrial risk? Atrial fibrillation is a, is a very important risk factor because we can do something about it. Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal heart rhythm where the, uh, the atrium of the, of the left side of the heart uh, vibrates. It doesn't pump. It just sits and quivers. And blood pools in it. And when blood pools, it clots. And then that clot flips out of the heart and goes upstream to the brain and closes off an artery. So doctors treat atrial fibrillation very seriously. And then those patients must be on anticoagulants to prevent that blood from clotting. And that's why it's important when you go see your physician that you tell him all your or her all your history and physical, yes, and all your HPs about prior surgeries or prior medical conditions. So it, those could affect something that happens today. To yes, them. absolutely. Smoking is another biggie. Smoking is very important. Smoking harms the lining of the arteries and increases risk of stroke and heart attack. And 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 the the caution about smoking uh, i've had individuals tell me that now that they're they're using the electronic cigarettes or whatever it's called that that's going to they can still smoke and that doesn't affect them what's your opinion about that uh, that's probably not true i don't think there's enough data on that to tell us that e-cigs are safer just because you don't have tar and the other stuff in it doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they're safer i don't think they're that, that that data is out there to be able to say that it's clearly safer. And and Dr. Little, when I, I we're hoping to get more and more people to quit smoking entirely throughout throughout the world, throughout the country. Our state is one of the highest in incident rates. But I've had one individual telling me that I've smoked for 45 years. I'm going to continue to smoke for 45 years, even if my health gets. So you have to deal with that 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 pressure, right? That's yeah. That's very frustrating. Uh, people ignore what we have to say uh, and continue to do uh, have harmful habits. And I, I was telling one senior recently, a mature adult, that, that you're passing around this bad information that you're giving it to your grandchildren. That's right. So the grandchildren are seeing their grandparents smoking, so I'm going to be smoking. Sure. And the other factor was, and I want you to quickly talk about about smoking, 
I had the individual says, well, I smoke filtered cigarettes, so it shouldn't affect me as much as that person, Gary, because he smokes unfiltered cigarettes. Well, <laughs> you know, very few people smoke non-filters these days, but there are a whole lot of people with vascular disease and lung cancer. True, true. Okay, the other factor that you had on here is sleep apnea. I never thought that would be uh, a major contributor. Sleep apnea puts a significant strain on the heart and lungs during the night. Oh. If, if, if you're not breathing for 30 to 45 or 60 minutes, if you're not breathing, that's, you know, your oxygen level is dropping, and that puts strain on the heart muscle, it puts strain on the lungs, and it's not good for your brain either. Okay, what about excessive alcohol? The excessive alcohol is, there's an association with, with binge-type drinking. Um, and Being that, explain um, excessive, excessive amounts of alcohol in a short period of time. Um, having a cocktail with dinner or a glass of wine with dinner is not what we're talking about here. The... the it's the more destructive behaviors of binge drinking that raises a person's risk of heart attack and stroke. Okay, and the other, the other one we talked about, atrial, atrial fibrillation, uh, we mentioned that. But the, another interesting one is physical inactivity. Yes, people with sedentary lifestyles are at risk of stroke and heart attack. It's, there are plenty of studies, very large population studies, identifying that. And so, so, Dr. Little, it's important, even though they might have had a, a, a stroke previously, that they shouldn't be sedentary, thinking that more exercise and more aerobics, and et cetera, could generate another stroke. Correct. You know, aerobic exercise will reduce their risk of recurrent stroke, just like controlling the rest of their risk factors will reduce their risk of having another one. So, again, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize the fact that some people think after they've had these medical conditions, they should be just sitting down and flipping the television with their remote control, that, that they, they don't need to upset their brain or upset their heart anyway. No. Aerobic exercise is very important. Walking 20 to 30 minutes at least three times a week, those things are very beneficial. Well, hopefully they have, they'll take heed with some of these modifiable risk factors that they can definitely, definitely reduce uh, the possibility of them or their loved one in having a stroke. Uh, quickly, before we go, you have a kudo that Willis Knight in Piermont now has a stroke center. So what's the definition of a stroke center? Well, a stroke center or a stroke unit is a dedicated part of the hospital that only takes stroke patients. Our nurses are specially trained. Our providers are, are specially trained. Um, very enthousi enthusiastic and dedicated group of providers trying to provide, to provide efficient, uh, fast care for our patients uh, that is state-of-the-art. And this it just opened up this week, and uh, hey, how appropriate that is, is National uh, Stroke Awareness Month. It worked out well. Yes. It worked out well. Well, thank you for joining us today thank on you. the Best of Times Radio Hour. You gave us some great information. Hopefully, all of our listeners out there will pass that information on to their family members and friends, and hopefully the, we'll have a little bit of reduction of stroke incidents throughout the area. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Thank Again, you. Again, thank you, doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Diesel. 
Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Join us next Saturday for another show to benefit you or your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. And thank you for listening to our show today. Wishing every, every mother a happy Mother's Day to all our mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, and godmothers on this special commemoration day that will take place, of course, this Sunday, May the 8th. Again, we wish you a happy Mother's Day. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a good day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Kiel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Kiel, K E E L, Shreveport Bossier.